Hi guys. That was my I'm sorry, hi guys, for not recording anything for a long time and being very late on this podcast. Um I guess I mean it's not like anyone's paying me to do this right now. I can I can do whatever I want, I guess. I can put up a so whenever I want. But what I wanted was to have the episode out a little bit sooner. I want to keep on a consistent schedule. It's just been a little bit rough recently. Um, so here we are. At least I'm back at it. I was like worried the last couple of weeks that like I would never do this again and I would just forget about it. But that obviously is not what I want and is not the case. And like I have said in the first episode, just because you're messing up on something doesn't mean it has to like end forever. And you're like, oh, well, I fucked it up. Like, it's over. That's not, I can get back at it. Why not? I, I can do it now. So here we are back at it. Um, little bit that's been going on. It's been a while since I've talked to y'all. Um with my naturopath SIBO stuff. So I was on this, or I am on this, this SIBO diet, quotation marks. Um, and it's been, (laughs) it's been hard. I feel like I totally like, it's such a restrictive diet that I feel like I like, am just like losing my like, cause I'm like pretty, I really like food no shit but like I really I like like I love cooking and I'm like I'm like you know I love trying new recipes and stuff like that but it's since it's such a restrictive diet and there's so few things I could eat I really thought it was gonna like make me feel more creative with stuff and sort of get me back into the swing of things and like make me force me to think more about what I'm eating which it did but then it also forced me to like think so much about it that I was like I was burnt out like I was like I I'm tired of food like I just felt like I'm like bored and like I don't want to do this anymore and I kind of fell off the wagon a little bit there with the diet um I did it was I was having a pretty like I'm, I'm not trying to make excuses here but I mean it just like it happened it is what it is what it is like work's just been a little stressful and stuff I was also sick for like a week And, like, when you're sick, the last thing I want to do is, like, throw together a big meal. And, like, with this diet, like, it's hard to eat simple little things, like, unless I'm just snacking on, like, cucumbers. So, you really have to, like, put a lot of thought into what you're eating, Um, especially because there's so many things you can't eat. So, it's it's harder to be creative with it. Um, So, you have to put a lot more thought into what you're eating. And I was sick and I just didn't want to think about it. So, I was eating stuff that I shouldn't have been. And, you know, I even, like... A big thing, like, for me, again, is being honest about it. That's why I'm telling it to all of you, um, is being honest about, like, when you fuck up. Like, it's, you know, because you have to know it's okay. And if more people were open about them fucking up on their, like, health journey, health stuff, like, then it would be easier to talk about and people would feel less bad about themselves and people would feel less like they just messed up and, and have to quit, right? So. That's why I'm talking about it. I am. I have not been doing, like, great. And I went to my naturopath the other day, and I was like, yeah, like, well, because she's always, like, asking me how I'm feeling. And I was like, oh, like, I've been pretty stressed out because of this, 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 like, whatever. Lots going on. And uh, I told her about it. And then I was like, yeah, I... I kind of messed up on the diet a little bit for for a bit there. She's like, "That's okay. Like, it's fine." Like, and I was like waiting for her to like yell at me. Like, I I don't know why I thought my naturopath like she's literally just a doctor. I don't know why I thought she would like be mad at me. Like, what what is she gonna do? Say, "Don't come to see me anymore." I'm mad at you. Like, no. Um, it's just been tough and like. As again, it's like as long as I like get back on it and like get back on track. I thought I was also like in the mindset that if I ate something that I shouldn't be eating, that it would mess this entire thing up. I think if I'm consistently eating stuff I shouldn't be eating, which I have for the last week, but I just like thought I would ruin everything. But it's rarely the case, you know. Um, except with stuff like keto, you know, it's a big like I have to start over again sort of thing. I talked about that in the last episode anyway, but, um, 
it's just been weird and and difficult. So again, I'm just telling you all this to sort of update you on what's going on with me and why and you know just to be open about it. That's like that's my thing, you know. I want to I want to be open about it. So yeah, I I think that I will I am going to get back on my like I literally ate bread today. So it is what it is. A big thing that I've been noticing is that I need to have groceries all the time because the second I also live in a place that's in like the middle of nowhere. We have one tiny grocery store, but it's so expensive and there's like not really that much stuff there, especially stuff that like would be okay with this diet. Um and it's it's been kind of complicated because if I'm an hour away from the grocery store, I, I don't have food in my fridge constantly. You know, I can't go as soon as I realize I'm like, oh, I don't have this thing. Let me just run to the grocery store. Sometimes I do, but with work, working AMs and then PMs, and then it's been all over the place. I just like, also it's like, I who has the gas money to drive an hour every day or the time to drive an hour away to a grocery store every day um, and do that and like make sure your fridge is always stocked up with the right things. So it's so like, it might be easier, you know, if I lived in a city, even eating out, I feel like I would have an easier time if I were to eat out to stick to the diet. Um, cause there's just so many more options. Uh, but it's, it's tough. And like, you know, there's special occasions that you want to go out for and it's just hard. Sorry if you're hearing weird noises in the background. I'm playing with like a squishy ball and, uh, <laughs> um, cause I was like, I need something to, to fidget with because I always end up making weird noises and like knocking and stuff when, I'm recording, but uh, this ball—I think this ball—is making just as much noise. So, uh, sorry if that's worse and you're hearing it. Um, but yeah, so it's just been—it's been a weird journey. I've never really ha- done like a restrictive diet where I felt like it's something that I have to be doing because, you know, like a, a health professional told me that that's what I have to be doing. Um, you know, everything else I've ever done has just been like experiment experimentive that doesn't sound like a word but um it's been an experiment you know like anytime I've done like keto or vegan whatever vegetarian I mean I was vegetarian for like four years but (laughs) uh anything like that it's just been like sort of on my own terms so if I stopped doing it I didn't like feel bad about myself as much as I do right now but that's my thing. Like I keep saying, don't feel bad about yourself if you fuck up on something. And like, that's all I want to stress. That's the biggest point I want to get across. And I still like sort of do it to myself, but as long as I feel like I just have to try and keep, keep up the groceries and keep up with stuff. And it's also starting to get nicer and warmer out here. Finally, where I live, like it's just such long winters and it can, it can be a little harder, but now that it's like nicer out, I feel like I have a little bit more energy, get to spend some time in the sun. Um, but yeah, sorry again for being so late on this podcast. Uh, I was talking to my friend today <laughs> and he said, yeah, that's a thing with podcasts. Like most of them stop within like the first month or like the first couple episodes. And I was like, dang it, that's not going to be me. And <laughs> um, I just like wanted it. I want to keep doing this. And even though I'm not maybe doing it on a perfect schedule, my life is not based on a perfect schedule. That's not how it works. And until a company decides to pay me to do these podcasts on a perfect schedule, I, I'm just going to do them when I want to, you know, like I want to try and schedule them. However, it just doesn't always work. And I feel so guilty that like, or I felt so guilty that I wasn't doing it on a schedule, but I'm like, it's not like I have thousands of fans like waiting on my podcast here. Like, um, so it's, it's been a weird experience, but yeah, it is what it is. Anyway, what you're all here for is to not hear about my bullshit. It's about what am I talking about today? And I have been actually so excited for for this topic. This is like something that I thought about doing like before I even started making the podcast. Um, It's one of my favorite things to talk about, which I have mentioned in the past. I love talking about it. I've been planning out talking about this for so long. 
I can't believe I put it off for this long, but today we are going to talk about a poop. And not just poop, mostly like how digestion works. I'm going to go through all of that from like start to finish sort of thing and just go through go through digestion and talk about poop because I I know like the I feel like I don't know if it's like just with the times like I feel like when I was a kid I didn't talk about poop or farting or anything like that um I feel like 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 my boy my boy family members like sort of always did uh but I was like whatever they're boys like I'm a girl I don't poop um but uh I I think that I, I don't know if it's just me getting older it's easier to talk about or if it's just like the actual like times are changing and like people are just more open about it in general but I love talking about it because it's such an important thing to talk about and to know and it's it's knowing like knowing about your poop can make you so much more in tune with what's going on in your body because digestion is like one of the number one things that like makes different things happen in your body like you can you can tell like different things like if you're like certain organs are aren't working by the way your poop comes out like it's so cool um so i think i'm going to start with talking about digestion sort of how it works you know how poop starts <laughs> or where it comes from um but yeah I was just gonna kind of get into digestion we'll start with that and we'll go through go through the journey that creates this really fun thing that comes out your butt um <laughs> uh there's there's no way I'm gonna make this sound professional like I'm just talking about poop I'm not gonna I don't know it's it's if it's funny like I, you can make it funny and also be serious about it at the same time you know anyway welcome to the poop epi episode uh of this podcast of unhealthy um i didn't even say that at the beginning of my thing welcome back to unhealthy there we go <laughs> uh anyway when you think about digestion where do you think about it starting some people are gonna say my stomach wrong some people are gonna say my mouth you're close but wrong um <laughs> digestion starts in your brain which sounds silly because you're like my brain is not a part of my digestive system and if you said that you would be right however your brain does control it a lot of things that happen in your digestive system and basically what happens is when you start thinking about food think about it like when you think about food you start your mouth starts to water a little bit right you feel that or like if you're thinking about food you're like oh man that looks good i'm hungry now you're making you're making me hungry that's a real thing so thinking about eating like it's important to sort of plan it like and like think about eating and like go through the processes of like thinking about it and preparing it it's actually important for your digestion because your brain send signals to your stomach it starts making stomach acid starts preparing your body to receive food and it also your mouth salivating your saliva actually has something in it called salivary amylase which is an enzyme that brings down brings down <laughs> that breaks down amylose which is a sugar so your mouth actually like your saliva actually breaks down sugars in your mouth it's why if you put like a saltine cracker in your mouth it literally would just like dissolve into nothing after a while um if you had like a lot of spit in your mouth it would just dissolve into nothing after a while so that's why it starts in your brain it's pretty cool and it's an, another thing that like is important to know about it starting in your brain is that if you're like not prepared to eat or you're thinking about other things like a big thing my teachers always said is like if you think about being in a car uh or stuck in like traffic and you're stressed out you're on your way to work and then you're slamming down 
something like something from that you grabbed at a drive-through you're slamming down a tim hortons farmer's wrap which i mean sounds good but if you're stressed about traffic you're on your way to work you're not really thinking about what you're eating you're kind of just like i have to get this down before work or i'm gonna be hungry later you know you're not really going through the thought process and all the steps of eating your stomach is not going to be prepared your stomach all of a sudden is like oh what's this like and it wasn't ready for for that thing it doesn't have the stomach acid so right from the beginning you're already messing up like your process of digestion because if you don't have enough stomach acid in your stomach it's not going to break down the things properly or it might take longer to break down things properly and then it's going to ferment in there and that's basically why you get like burps when you burp a lot of the time it's because things are not digesting quickly enough or breaking down quickly enough another reason for that is because sometimes when we there's uh, if you've heard about food combining before this is the reason for it um people that can get really bloated from stuff uh or like get like really really burpy from things um food combining basically makes it so that you're not combining different kinds of food or foods that digest at very different speeds so like say i had a steak in my stomach and then I also had like you know a handful of strawberries my strawberries are gonna they're sugars they break down way quicker so my these strawberries are gonna break down so much faster than the steak so before um before like my stomach opens to you know let it into my intestines uh it's gonna sit in there and while it's breaking down the steak the strawberries are have already broken down with the stomach acid and they're sitting in there and creating gas because it's fermenting in your stomach which I know like if you think about fermenting it it feels like it takes a long time um sort of to break things down but I mean obviously things just happen way faster in your stomach because of the acid because of the the environment right in your body so strawberries are fermenting in your stomach while the steak is still breaking down but your your um your pyloric sphincter at the bottom of your stomach, it's the little one at the bottom of your stomach, the one at the upper part. Um, I meant to be more, <laughs> more, uh, you know, one track all the way down with this, but my brain just is back and forth. The one at the top of your stomach is your cardioesophageal sphincter, and that's because it's near your heart and it's at the bottom of your esophagus. Um, so starts and goes down your esophagus. Your cardioesophageal sphincter at the top of your stomach is closed. The pyloric sphincter at the bottom of your stomach is closed, and the pyloric sphincter does not open until this everything, including the steak, has been digested properly. So while your steak is still digesting, your strawberries are fermenting, which is creating gas in your stomach, and that's why you're getting bloated. And then the gas slowly starts to open your cardioesophageal sphincter. And then because of that, that's why you're getting burps, and that's why you get st- acid reflux a big reason there's a lot of reasons for acid reflux and a lot of reasons for your your cardioesophageal sphincter to open back up however this is a big reason is because of this food combining thing and this isn't not everyone should be food combining all the time you know if you have problems with this if you're having a lot of problems with a lot of like burping gas and a lot of um like heartburn things like that look into it food combining is a good thing and there's a lot of other reasons like if you're just low stomach acid in general again food's gonna take longer to break down food's gonna ferment and it can it will like sit in there and then again create an opening or create or cause your cardioesophageal sphincter to open and then cause this heartburn so a lot of people think that when they have low stomach acid or a lot of people think that they have high stomach acid and that's why they're taking Tums, they're taking these antacids. And sure, it can cause relief in your esophagus temporarily because it is like, you know, um, balancing out the acid in your esophagus. But in the long run, it's going into your stomach and it's it's balancing out the acid even more and it's making it more alkaline and then it's causing problems for it's causing like problems in the long run for you because you keep alkalizing your acid and you need that stomach acid you know so the more you take heartburn medic uh or heartburn like 
Alka-Seltzers, Tums, anything like that, the more you take that, the more you're depleting your acid, the more problems with heartburn you're going to have. So it's kind of, it's a, it's a quick fix, but it's not, not a good long-term solution whatsoever. And you're just going to make it harder on yourself. Anyway, back to what I was talking about, the strawberries and the steak, it's going to, you know, it's going to expand your cardioesophageal sphincter. It's going to go give you some heartburn. And then, yeah, that's pretty much what happens. I can't even remember why I started talking about, or I mean, like, obviously, I'm just going to talk about all this, but I can't remember where I was before I started talking about uh, the things fermenting in your stomach. But anyway, back to it. So now we're in the stomach. Whatever's in your stomach goes through your esophagus, goes into your stomach, and then once your pyloric sphincter decides to open, it opens up and you enter your duodenum. Um, your stomach also, uh, actually backtracking a little bit in your stomach, the digestive juices and food your stomach like churns and breaks down these things your pancreas is also making digestive enzymes i i didn't give the stomach enough enough credit here i gotta get back to it pancreas um your pancreas makes digestive enzymes gets shot into your stomach that helps break down the food it's not just acid right your stomach churns and makes this stuff called chyme which is basically just broken down food, stomach acid, enzymes, all of this stuff is sloshing around inside your stomach. So when that chyme is ready to go, your pyloric sphincter opens and then it goes out into your duodenum, which is the first little part of your small intestine. It is very important because this is where the bile gets squirted onto your chyme, which (laughs) if you don't know much about digestion, that sounded definitely like absolute gibberish um basically bile is the the goo inside of you that breaks down fats which is such an important thing so bile is stored in your gallbladder gallbladder is a very important thing i know a lot of people have had it removed however people also think that gallbladder makes bile which is not true your liver actually makes the bile and then it gets stored in your gallbladder and then your gallbladder shoots it out in your into your duodenum at the at the right time and the in the right amounts um your digestive system is just like so smart and so crazy um it's really cool so the, when your gallbladder's there it shoots it out when you actually don't have a gallbladder you can still you can break down fats. However, you have to be very careful about the amount of fats you eat. You can't eat large amounts because it is just a slow drip from your liver into your intestines. And it doesn't give you that big like splash of bile that you would need if I were to say eat an entire bowl of guacamole with olive oil and whatever, right? It's not going to be able to emulsify it properly. And this is going to be my first my first little poop talk right now. When your poop is yellow, looks yellow, floating, greasy. I'm really sorry. This is going to be a gross episode for a lot of people don't like hearing about it, but I do. When your when your poop is yellow, greasy and it floats, that a lot of the time can be an indicator. Again, I'm not diagnosing you, but could be an indicator of gallbladder issues. Even if you have a gallbladder, you could have gallstones, you could have, like, there could be something wrong with it. Or maybe your liver's not making bile properly at all, but it often indicates gallbladder issues if your poop looks like that, because it means that the fat in your body was not being broken down properly. And then it comes out like that. So reason number one about why it's so important to pay attention to your poop, because if it's coming out like that, you might think it's normal. You're like, oh, I just, I ate dairy. That's why it's coming out weird. But if it's like that consistently or after you eat a fatty meal, maybe just pay attention. You know, it's a great way to sort of figure out what's going on. And I know this can be really hard, especially people that like, again, serial Googlers for for symptoms of stuff, right? It's really hard. You're like, oh, your poop comes out like that? Oh, I have gallbladder cancer. Not the case. Maybe you just have some problems with it. Maybe it's just not supported properly. Maybe you're just not getting the right nutrients to support it properly. So you never know. But it's a good thing to pay attention to, a good thing to check out, because it also could be a serious issue. You never know. And I'm probably freaking people out again um, by, by saying this, but 
it's really, really important to pay attention to that. And some people won't. And some people will just look at it and think it's normal. And then like, oh, like, yeah, I just got the shits all the time. But it's definitely important. So reason number one why looking at your poop is important and knowing what your poop should look like is important, which we will get into soon. Um, but yeah, anyway, so that's the story with bile. It squirts out into your duodenum from your gallbladder and it can, what am I saying? It squirts out into your duodenum from your gallbladder. Um, and then that's where the fats get emulsified. And then we, after the duodenum, we go into the jejunum jejunum i always i can never say this right i feel like every it's the kind of thing that everybody says differently basically it's the second and um the second part and the second longest part of your intestine this is the part where your food it starts to get broken down a little bit more and then you're also doing some absorbing here um and your intestines have these little things in them called villi and then on those villi are microvilli so if you kind of think about your tongue and like the taste buds on your tongue it's these tiny little bumps all along the inside but they're like microscopic tiny little bumps all along the inside and they are what absorb all the nutrients in from your food super cool because if you're also eating things that are damaging this villi and they're delicate they're very you know they're tiny um think about if you like burn your tongue or something like it feels weird you can't taste stuff properly in that spot um if you're doing damage to your villi and a lot of things can cause damage it really depends on what your body reacts to if you're eating a lot of inflammatory foods it can do damage and it kind of ruins like the lining of your intestine it can be healed um, but basically, there's these little bumps on your intestines, and then they're, they're called villi, little bumps on those little bumps called microvilli, and it just absorbs everything. So cool. Anyway, I digress on the villi. They're just these little guys that that soak up all your, all your nutrients. Um, so that's that. They're also in the next part of the small intestine, which is called the ileum. It is the longest part as well. In total, your small intestine is approximately 22 feet long. Of course, everybody's a little bit different, but in on average, it's about 22 feet long. And I don't know about you guys, but thinking that I have something inside of me that is 22 feet long is insane. Like, it's it must be, like, it's so squished up in there. It's so crazy to think about. And thinking about the actual path that your food is traveling just in your small intestine and your food is traveling 22 feet and your body is moving it through that way so cool and in case you were wondering how your how your food moves through it's not like it's just falling it's not just it doesn't just move itself it doesn't have little legs that walk it all through your intestine and that's a big thing i think as well people take for granted things that they can't see happening in their body, you know? Um, so what, how it happens is through something called peristalsis. Peristalsis is basically you have muscle fibers kind of going along, like for, how am I going to say this properly? They're kind of vertically going along your small intestine. And then there's ones horizontally that are kind of wrapping around your small intestine. So peristalsis is those muscles contracting and like tightening and loosening up, contracting against each other, like back and forth. So like the the like horizontal ones are like contracting their way, the vertical ones are contracting their way, and it's all along your intestine. And that's what's moving the food through. So when you take like a laxative, your peristalsis actually it speeds up your peristalsis laxatives aren't just stool softeners you can get stool softeners which soften soften your stools however if you're taking those consistently it should be just on like a like special case sort of basis you know if you're super constipated and you need to get something out like do it but it's not something you should rely on if you're taking stool, stool softeners constantly, you're just not eating the right foods to, to make your, or there's something wrong with your digestion. If something's happening, you shouldn't have to rely on stool softeners. Your body should be able to move the stuff through properly. However, 
if you're taking laxatives constantly, you're actually like speeding up the process of peristalsis and your intestines are just like working overtime, going really fast. I'm like <laughs> talking about this and I'm shoving my one hand through the, a hole in my other hand and thank God no one can see me right now because I look crazy. Um, but <laughs> basically that's what happens and it can like totally burn out your muscles. It can make them weaker and it's just a mess. So relying on laxatives, it makes you have to rely on laxatives more and more and more. Same thing with stomach acid. The more you take it, the worse it gets. So there we are with that. Peristalsis, super cool. I get like out of breath talking about it because I just think it's crazy that you're like, there's muscles just shoving through food through 22 feet of intestine in your body. So it's kind of crazy to me. Anyway, um, I'm getting all worked up. <laughs> so yeah, so like I said, the last the last step there is your, your ileum. Um, it's like a nice long, long, long piece the very last piece of your small intestine. And at the end of that ileum is something called the ileocecal valve. And that is the little valve that lets it from your small intestine into your large intestine. In other words, your colon, your bowels, that big old fat thing that goes all the way up and around your digestive system. When you look at a picture, it like surrounds your small intestine, basically. Um, and it's really cool. So what you have, your your intestines go kind of almost to the bottom of your digestive tract, right? Your small intestine, sorry. The ileocecal valve is there at the bottom sort of right area of your, and when I say right, I mean like your right. So if you're looking down at your stomach, it's the bottom right, sort of close to your, um, your appendix there. Basically, your ileocecal valve moves into your ascending colon, which is the part of the colon that goes up. It ascends, ascends, ascending colon, ascending. I don't know. But anyway, it goes up. So the part that goes up and then the part that goes across over top of it all is your transverse colon. And then it goes down to your descending colon. And then eventually your sigmoid, which is the little piece at the end of your descending colon. So now we're at the bottom left of your stomach, kind of frames your whole a small intestine. So you're at the bottom left now of your, of your like digestive system. I shouldn't say stomach of your digestive, of your gut, your GI tract. And then you get the sigmoid, which is a little piece that connects to your rectum and then your anus, which is your little butthole. And it's pretty cool the way that it follows through and colon is basically what it's the final steps of breaking down the food it does not absorb things like your small intestine because obviously by the time your food is poop, you don't want to be absorbing stuff from that. However, that being said, things that sit in your body for a long time are bound to be absorbed, which is why being constipated is such a dangerous thing. So when you're constipated and you like can't get poop out for days, I've heard of people not pooping for like a week, like that is so terrifying to me. Um, first of all, because I would just feel awful. But it's sitting in your stomach. Like you're at that point, like it's becoming toxic. There's a reason it your body is trying to get it out, right? It's sitting in your colon for that long means that you there is a chance of digesting toxic or not digesting, Jesus, of absorbing toxins. So it's Again, it's not an absorbent, like it's not made to absorb, but anything can absorb, right, into your body. So the longer it sits there, it can absorb. You know, it's not like they're like glass walls where you can't absorb anything through it. So that's what it is. Pretty cool. It just does the final breaking down of things. And yeah, um, something cool, one little cool fact about uh, your colon um, so I shouldn't, I shouldn't leave out this little guy because this little guy can, how do I say this, can be pushed aside a lot or people forget about it. People say he's useless, but he is your appendix. I don't know why he's a he, maybe, he, maybe he's a she, she's a she, whatever they, <laughs> I, I need to stop giving uh, like personalities to, to, uh, organs here, but Basically, what happens 
here in your appendix. Very forgot about everything. Everybody says you don't need it, which technically, like, you can live without it. But it's like people living without their gallbladder. There's actually a purpose for it to be there. You know, like, a lot of people say, like, it obviously, like, it's gotten smaller through evolution, things like that. And, like, maybe we used to need it more in the past. But it's still there. It still has a job. And it actually has a hormonal function. And the reason, I feel like I'm all over the place talking about this. Your appendix has a hormonal function. It does actually create hormones that help in, like, immunity. It has, like, um, how do I say this? There's, it creates hormones that helps with your immune system function, um, which I mean, like almost everything that has to do with your digestive system has something to do with your immune system function because it just like everything going on in your digestive system makes or the processes of making sure that thing. How do I say this? Everything you're putting in your digestive system is the fuel to make sure your body's working properly. And so everything in your digestive system plays a role in your immune function to fight against things. And your body wouldn't have the energy or the ability to fight against things if something's going wrong with your digestion because you're not absorbing these nutrients properly, because you're not, there's something going wrong, or because you're putting more toxins in your body, your immune system's focusing on that. And anyway, it goes on and on. And your digestive system is so important. And this includes your appendix. It, it also is part of creating a hormone. So what happens with your appendix and how people get appendicitis is it's such a small little thing and it's it's in an inconvenient spot, which is kind of funny to me because your body's so smart and like everything is so strategically placed and done. Your appendix isn't a funny little spot where it can get easily clogged. It's, it's right down there at the bottom right of your colon. It's this tiny little like of a thing right down there and it can get so easily clogged um and it's just because it's such a tiny little opening since it can get easily clogged that means it can get easily inflamed and that is what appendicitis is is when your appendix gets inflamed and then when it's inflamed when it's that people are very quick to remove it as well because i think it's easier to remove it than to like unclog it basically um but Again, you can live without it. It's a pretty small, like, hormone function um, thing. But, like, again, it's it plays an important role. And so you just might have a little less defense against certain things because it's not creating these hormones properly, right? Uh, I said that weird, but <laughs> you know what I mean. It's, it's one less little defense system uh, in your body that you have. It's like your gallbladder. You can live without it, but... Maybe it's not in, you know, you're not perfectly functioning anymore. Same with your thyroids. People get their thyroids removed. They would get their, get their like, um, what do you call it? Your, uh, your like, your glands and your throat removed. Uh, and they have a purpose. They're there for a reason, but you know, they get inflamed and your tonsils, Jesus, that's the word. Um, <laughs> you get your tonsils removed, but they're, they're there for a reason. And they're probably inflamed for a reason. And if you're getting consistently inflamed, then there's a problem with them. It doesn't mean that they are the problem. You know what I mean? Anyway, back to it. Your little appendix, he's there. We can't forget about him. Often forgotten about, often said, not important. It does nothing. That is not true. Your appendix is there for a reason. Everything is there for a reason, even though it's in a funky spot that can get clogged easily. Um, so yeah, that's what happens. And just didn't want to forget about him. Um, anyway, we're back to your back to your colon. Um, one more fun little thing that can happen in your colon is diverticulitis. Um, <laughs> uh, it's actually not a fun little thing. And basically, when your colon is going through a lot of stress, whether that means like constant, uh, um, like constipation or diarrhea or whatever, it can get these little things called diverticula which are these little out pouches that like poke out from your colon uh from your large intestine like little pouches that poke out and 
that can happen. And then what happens with those is that they get can get inflamed again by being clogged, just like your appendix. Uh, it's a big thing with like people that have bad diverticulitis sometimes like can't eat like flax seeds because those don't really digest well. If you've ever eaten a lot of flax, whole flax seeds and then looked at your poop after you're like, oh, that's where those went. Um, those little things can get clogged in the diverticula and then those become inflamed and you get pain in your colon. So just one of the fun, one of the many fun things that can happen to your colon is diverticulitis. Um, I'm not going to get into every digestive disease today, obviously. Um, <laughs> that would be a lot. Uh, but if you guys are interested in learning anything else about that, um, I will go probably talk more about like inflammation and things like that as well. Uh, but yeah, so really, really cool. Love talking about the digestive system. and. Yeah, I want to talk about inflammation. There's also your digestive system has the second most amount of nerve endings, which is weird because you feel like you can't really feel what's going on, right? But it has the second largest amount of nerve endings to your brain, which is crazy, which is why digestion also has so much to do with your like mental and I'm also going to go want to do like a whole thing about like food and what you eat and nutrition and mental health is a huge thing as well. Not something that I'm like specializing in. I do want to specialize in digestion though. I want to take the digestive masterclass. So maybe I'll come back to you with a new and improved digestion video uh, after I do that, but it's not available till like early next year. So I'll get there anyway. So yeah, that's basically it. We go ascending colon transverse descending colon, your sigmoid, rectum, which is, people think that your your butthole is your rectum. That's not true. It's the part right above it. That's like the, the part where when your poop enters it, you're like, I got to poop. But basically that's what it is. You're like, oh, it's there. It's ready. It's ready to go. That's your rectum. And then you have your anus. Your, your sigmoid like is also like where your poop kind of sits to like become ready, but your rectum is like the spot where it's like, I'm coming. Um, and then your anus, which is your butthole, which is the the lowest sphincter of your digestive system. And let me tell you, your butthole is so smart. Your butthole, <laughs> I love I love that I'm talking about like science and then also saying butthole 500 times. Um, it's so smart because your, your, your poop is not stretching out, stretching it out. You know, it doesn't just do that. Like, it's not like it's like, it's not like a really tight little elastic band that can just be pushed apart. It actually is so smart and expands to the proper size that it needs. It doesn't expand as the giant hole and it just falls out. It actually is expanding to this perfect amount that you need. And sometimes, I know it feels like it's not doing that for you, but that is because your poop is probably too hard or there's something wrong with it, and you're constipated. Not because your butthole wants to keep it inside. That's the last thing it wants. Its job is to expand properly to remove your poop. Anyway, that's it. That's the whole digestive system. And of course, there's other little things that I'm sure I, I could talk about my your liver more. Your liver does so many important like toxin removal things, but like I could do a whole episode on your liver. Your liver does five million things and we'll get into that another day um one of them i just wanted to say like what does you know what happens along with digestive tract is is bile bile um creation um yeah we'll we'll get into the liver another day anyway that is it for digestion the last little thing i did want to talk about is poop again um basically what your poop should look like and I may not might not go through maybe I just will fuck it I, I was almost going to be embarrassed to talk about this who would I be if I was embarrassed to, to say these things anyway if you literally just google stool chart it will show you what your poop should be like and it's crazy to think like what you thought was a normal poop is not you know? So on the stool chart, there are seven types of poop. Um, it's really cool. So type one, 
separate hard lumps. <laughs> I'm going to get really detailed. I'm sorry. If you have like a weak stomach talking about a shit, like I, I won't blame you if you, you don't listen to this, but it's so important to know that I think even if you do, you should try and listen to this because you should know. Anyway, separate hard little lumps, little poops, little like rabbit turds, little little poops is actually severe constipation. Um, obviously, there's more than that when you literally are not pooping. Um, uh, can be even worse, obviously. Um, and people don't think that they're constipated until they're like, oh, I haven't shit in three days. But constipation starts with those little, little poops. And then type two, the description is lumpy and sausage-like, which always makes me laugh because it sounds so funny. Um, just uh, saying, <laughs> saying sausage when, <laughs> anyway, I don't know, I'm, I'm gonna stop. Um, lumpy and sausage-like, which is basically looks like those little balls, those little hard lumps just kind of shoved, shoved into a, shoved into a, a log, you know? Um, that is still mild constipation. You don't have enough fiber. It's mild constipation. So type number three is when we become more normal, it is a sausage shape with cracks in the surface. These are not my personal descriptions, by the way. This is the chart. This is like the descriptions from the chart. So a sausage shape with cracks on the surface. This is normal. It's not like all those little lumps shoved together. I, it, it's like one piece, but can have some cracks. Their second normal one, which in my opinion is the best feeling <laughs> poop to have, is a smooth, soft sausage or snake. <laughs> These are the descriptions that it, that it has on this chart. And like this chart is like very, very widely known. Um, it's like one long piece that's like one smooth piece. That's like, in my opinion, the best one to have. And that means you got great fiber. You got... Both kinds of fiber, soluble and insoluble, very important. Type five is soft blobs with clear-cut edges. This can mean you are lacking fiber, which also sounds weird because you would think lacking fiber is the opposite. Basically, you're lacking insoluble fiber. So maybe you have soluble fiber, which is what softens, but it's a little too soft. And it's not binding because insoluble fiber is what binds it into this into the, the type four perfect smooth sausage snake and <laughs> and then these uh the soft blobs with clear cut edges lacking that insoluble fiber to hold it together into one piece it can be harder to get out of your system if they are like that as well type six mushy consistency with ragged edges that my friend is mild diarrhea and that is what happens if i drink a glass of milk. Um, and so it does not work out for me. Definitely something going on. It definitely means that your body is trying to get rid of whatever is going into it right away. Um, a huge thing with diarrhea is that it dehydrates the fuck out of you because your body draws all the water from your body to to put into that poop to just get it out of you as quickly as possible. And then we also go into type seven, liquid consistency with no solid pieces. So I'm just chocolate milk all the way. Like it's, <laughs> I'm so sorry. This is severe diarrhea when it's totally liquid. Obviously, if that's coming out of you, I think everybody is like, yeah, there's something wrong with me. But like I've known people in my life that like have type six and type seven for almost every shit they have and it's awful and they don't do anything about it. Another thing with poop is that, you know, actually I'm going to wait on that. Go back to diarrhea. So important to make sure if you are going through a phase, like it happens to everybody at least once. Maybe some of us with a lactose intolerance, it happens a little bit more often. Uh, or IBS or Crohn's. And there's a million things that can make you, like, I always say, like, I'm this is going to make me shit my pants. What I mean is, this is going to make me type six, type five, six, or seven. It can be a problem. Probably mostly type six. I think that's that's a common one <laughs> for me anyway. No, not common for me. That's not how it is all the time. I just mean if if I'm having if I have too much dairy, that is what's going to happen basically. Um so 
that's what happens. It just means your body has something in it that it does not want in it and is trying to get it out. And it draws all this water. Make sure if you are going through this, you are staying hydrated and you are drinking a lot of water because it really, really dehydrates you. You may not realize it, but it totally does because it's drawing so much water from your body. Anyway, that is the seven types of poops. Thank you for listening to that. Another thing I was going to talk about is the smell. (laughs) And I bet you didn't think I was going to talk about that today. Oh, sorry. I'm hitting my microphone. Um, It's just a quick thing I wanted to talk about. If your poop is so smelly or even your farts are so smelly, they're like room clearing, that means often that you have protein not digesting properly in your stomach or protein that's been stuck in there for a long long time. So that's often what it is. And if you think about it, think of the smell of rotting vegetables compared to rotting meat. Rotting meat is like putrid, right? Like it's a really terrible smell. So if you have really, really, really stinky poops that like no one can enter the bathroom for an hour after you've gone, you might have some some problems with protein in there. So just a good thing to know. Um, another thing as well, like I said, same thing with farts. Really stinky farts can mean that you have some protein sort of fermenting in there that can be an issue. Um, if you have, on the other hand, very light, airy farts and you're just all the time, but they don't smell like anything, that can be mean that it's carbohydrates that are causing that problem. So it's kind of cool to know. Um, yeah. I honestly think that's it. I've gone on for a lot longer than I thought I was going to in this episode. Um, I actually was worried I wouldn't have enough to talk about, but who are we kidding? I can literally talk about poop all day. And you will continue to hear me talk about it more. Thank you so much for listening to this. I was so excited to film this episode. Uh, If you've made it this far, (laughs) thank you for listening to me talk shit on this episode. I. I love it. But you know what? You saw the title. You knew what you were in for. So I'm sorry if you grossed you out, but it's important. It's so important to know. And I think it should be less gross for people to talk about and people should be open about it. Don't get me wrong. Poops can be kind of yucky, but it is so important to look at. Always look at your poop. Always look at it. So important to know. It is such a huge indicator of things that can be happening wrong in your body. So just stay safe. Keep an eye out for your guys, you know? You gotta you gotta know what's going on. So thank you for listening. Happy poops. Remember to drink lots of water, eat lots of fiber, both soluble and insoluble. So important. Do good things for your body. And again, everybody's digestion can be different. So not everything that you see that is like, this is a good way to eat for your digestion is a good way for you to eat for your digestion. There's a million things. I won't get into it now. So I don't make this episode 24 hours long. But thank you for listening. And I really appreciate it. And have a great rest of your day. I hope you have a good poop today. And every day. Yeah. Have a good one. Bye-bye. Happy poops. Thank you for listening.